have a lot of passion for what you're doing. This rings true because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. It's really hard, and you have to do it over a sustained period of time. So if you don't love it, and if you're not happy with doing it, Welcome to another episode of Johnson Title Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This week's guest is a, it's a fun one. Uh, it is Mr. Bjorn Speed Strid. You may know him from a, a little band called Soilwork. Maybe you're familiar with him from Disharmonia Mundi. Or maybe you've heard of his newer band, Night Flight Orchestra. And maybe you've heard my co-host be called a slew of different names. Too many to list here. But if you're familiar with the... The name Daniel Terry, he is here. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Uh, I think you outdid yourself with that one, but it is true. I have been called a lot of things. Some of them I can't even say on a podcast. Some of them even to your face. Absolutely. I don't know what my mom was thinking, but... <laughs> uh, no, this this was a fun one. Um, I'm going to go ahead and kind of spill the beans, because this, this was a very interesting way that this interview came about um for those who may not know i'm a pretty big turbo negro fan and if you are not familiar with that band go do yourself a favor and go check out one of like the best punk classic rock bands you probably have never heard of yeah don't get upset just go check it out it's really fucking good uh if you like songs about pizza and rocking against ass or ass cobras or all these kind of things. Uh, or if you're familiar with the Wild Boys, the theme to the Wild Boys show was actually a Cherbo Negro song. Perfection. And so the old, the now old singer of Turbo Negro, Mr. Hank Von Hell, uh, just released a solo song for his upcoming solo album. And so I had reached out to get to talk to someone that I've long admired. And... In the process of trying to set that up, I was asked if I would like to talk to Bjorn about the Night Flight Orchestra. Of course. Now, initially, though, that wasn't explained to me. It was just, would you like to talk to Bjorn? And I was like, well, yes. Yes, I would. The answer is always a resounding yes. Always a resounding yes. And then... Somewhere in the, the email exchanges of trying to figure this out, because Bjorn lives in Sweden, and there's a time difference, and so on and so forth. Uh, the news that Soilwork have a new album that's done, it's being released, so on and so forth. But that is not what I was to talk to him about. Which was fine, because I actually like pretty much everything Bjorn does. I think he doesn't put out bad music. It's like he just innately cannot put out bad music. To me. Right. And so here he is to talk about the Night Flight Orchestra. Now, the interesting thing is, and Dan turned this conversation, and sadly, again, he wasn't a part of the conversation, but we actually had a pretty interesting conversation about how much soil work and Night Flight Orchestra parallel each other and help influence each other in various ways. And I was not expecting that. Yeah, you know, most people... Like you said, John, again, we're spilling so many beans about this conversation that I'm sure you all just can't wait to hear. Whenever he's like, you know, it was kind of nice finishing up the night flight stuff and then restringing the guitar to 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 play some soil work stuff. He's like, and that that made me feel really good. And, and I had no problem shedding the one and and, you know, putting on the other. And uh, like you said, John, that's not very common. no. Because, I mean, sometimes whenever a band that you like puts out something that's very different than that, there's always this tinge of worry that, oh, no. They're going to start they're going to start incorporating all of this crap into the main band, because that sadly is what happens a lot of the time. They find, you know, they, they find something else. The grass was greener on the other side, whatever it may be. Um, and I, so it was really refreshing to hear that, that like. No, I like that I do this cool, different thing, and I like that I do my main thing. 
and they both coincide really well together. Yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. And then I think the other thing too that was kind of fun about this and, and something, you know, I've been a Soilwork fan since I know Stabbing the Drama was like the first record I bought when it first came out. Yeah. Um but I think before that someone had shown me Steel Bath Suicide and uh figure number five and i think those were like the two that there were some songs off of each one that i liked but i wasn't big into that scene at the time because it you weren't really getting a lot of that here in the states and again import cds cost you an arm and a fucking leg um even at best buy like i remember getting like the digipack versions or the you know european import versions but it's like i can spend ten dollars on the cd or i can now spend 35 dollars on the same cd yeah, I pre I pre ordered uh, the chain heart machine for forty bucks. Yeah, point proven. That's yeah. That's like four other CDs I could check out that are here in the states. <laughs> yeah, but I mean back then though, God, we're talking like I think that came out in like what ninety eight ninety ninety nine I think, mm-hmm. and like that was, and I didn't pre order it in ninety nine. It was probably like two thousand one or something like that. I mean we're talking like seventeen years ago now, dude. Yeah, and CD. I mean I. Back then, I didn't really even sweat at picking up a CD for sixteen ninety five or, you know, something like that. Like now, a CD pretty much has to be ten bucks. Yeah, no, I mean that's the thing is like I know for like I said, you know, Turbo Negro being a big fan of mine, like I'm a big fan of theirs, and for a while, like there's they have so much material, but it's just not available here in the states, and it was expensive to start buying their music. Same with like him and getting into bands like the Rasmus and all that kind of oh, yeah. stuff. It's like when you start getting into music that's not here it became really fucking expensive to become a fan of these bands and support them and basically the the long and short of why i'm bringing any of that up is just you know i've been a fan of speed and and what he's done in soil work for so long and to get to talk to him about something you know a creative thing he's done it was kind of intimidating because i mean it's like i've admired this dude's output of work for so long you know it was there was some other shit in the conversation that i thought was pretty cool too and I wasn't expecting it, and I didn't necessarily say this, but I was thinking it as we were having the conversation, which is, you remember that scene in Eurotrip when they go to that guy and basically he's like, oh, Miami Vice, number one hit show, and it's like, (laughs) had way been off the air for like 20 years, Yeah. and so when, you know, Bjorn is like making the comedy, he's like, we didn't have cable until like 1995, and like, that just blew my fucking mind, (laughs) that's like, you know, like we didn't have access to all this shit. And when we did, it was like older shows. <laughs> right. Right. So I was well, that's like, what was so funny about that whole conversation was that I, I grew up like hardcore Pentecostal. So we didn't have TV. So like half the shows that you guys were talking about, I didn't even hear about until like, geez, I don't even know. Like it, it was like after TV land for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just, I don't know, it's really cool, and I think that's the thing that's been so fucking crazy to me about doing this podcast, too, you know, in in regards to, you know, we make the comment, like, the internet doesn't exist, the fact that I'm talking to somebody about their, who's older than me, about the experiences they had growing up, but because of the difference in where we live, how we grew up, and the the distance between like when they got technology that kind of allowed them to start catching up to us and what we had, it's almost like that that gap allowed us to almost be at an even starting point. And I was thinking about that and how that's kind of crazy and weird unto itself, like just how different our cultures are and how I, I don't know. I, I don't know if any anything I'm saying right now makes sense, but it, I just really was thinking about how crazy it is. Like I'm talking to someone in another country you know, about all these things from 20, 30, actually almost 40 years ago. And it's just like, man, like, you know, like that joke I made a couple episodes ago, like, man, what a fucking time to be alive. (laughs) Also interesting to me just to hear like from an international perspective, how much American television culture, especially in the, in the seventies and eighties really affected the rest of the world. Yeah, that is interesting too. I mean, I feel like it's a pretty big, I feel like it's just like that time period was just so culturally significant. And, it, and that, I guess that's kind of where I was trying to go with it is, is like, you know, I grew up and I was a young kid in the 80s. Like I was born in 84. So, I mean, it's like I don't have a ton of reference for all these other things. And, you know, I guess technically some people would say I'm a 90s kid. But it's like I do, you know, MTV was 
big in my house. Like that's basically what was always on other than shitty old procedurals. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, it's just so crazy to think about like all the music I was exposed to in that time period and just how all over the place it went. And like I said, I think it's just crazy to be able to talk to someone else that like the only way this ever would have happened back in the day is like if you had an exchange student or a pen pal. For... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You couldn't just have these conversations. No, not, not immediately. Especially not with like respected musicians, you know? Yeah. That's the biggest one. Well, I don't know if we're respected for doing this intro. I feel like it was kind of all over the place. But you know what? I think it's a good precursor to the chat I had with uh, Bjorn. So without further ado, we're going to get into my chat with Bjorn Strid, and we'll talk to you afterwards. I'll get right into this uh, so that we don't take up too much of your time since I know it's a little bit later on a Sunday for you. It's all good. It's all good. All right. And, um, drinking? Uh, well, I made a uh, lovely cocktail consisting of uh, some Bombay Sapphire, some gin, grapefruit juice, lime juice, bitters, and ginger beer. Wow. So that good. It is a very delicious uh, drink. And then I also have. Write that down. That sounds really good, actually. It, it sort of looked like a midnight flyer. We have our own drink with a band. Oh, okay. Well, it's funny. I almost, for pun's sake, was gonna drink uh, this Night Owl beer. That uh, it's like a like a pumpkiny kind of fall beer, and I was like, that's too on the nose. I'm just not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I will ask you about that drink if uh, if you're fine with sharing that with everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, basically, that drink came together. There's this um, Danish brewery called Mikeller. I don't know. I, it, they're becoming sort of big in America too. Okay. I believe. I think they have their own bar in New York as well, uh, and uh, they've done beers for Mastodon. Okay. Uh, and uh, so, what we wanted to do with, with Night Flight Orchestra, we did. We just didn't want another, you know, beer because it doesn't really fit the band. Right. Right. We needed a cocktail. Well, that's why um, I'm drinking a cocktail, actually. I was like, yeah, it seems more more apropos. Yes, yes you're doing the right thing. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so so basically we, we try together with Mikler because they love the band, and um, they reached out, and then, yeah, let, let's, let's do a cocktail together. And um, there's basically rum, pineapple juice. Uh, let me see here. Um there's there's gold dust in it, like a goldschlager kind of gold flakes. Yeah, no, it's more dusty. It's okay. not really flakes. Okay, <laughs> it's dusty. Uh, and uh, what else is in there? God, I should know this by now. Um, basically, it's a very tropical drink. There, it, let's just put it this way: the the um, the recipe is just it's a secret. Okay, and, uh, but it's it's a perfect holiday sort of kickoff drink, I guess. Uh, and they have it on draft. Oh, wow. Yeah, you don't come across cocktails on draft very often, I guess. Well, I was uh, going to say, that's kind of the new thing because we're getting a lot of distilleries um, and a lot of the distilleries working with the breweries like Founders and so forth around here. And so we're actually starting to, like uh, this brand, New Holland, uh, they're starting to create craft cocktails in a can already. Um, so you guys are sort of, if you guys are canning this, sort of at the, the forefront of this new movement in alcohol, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and I'm really glad to hear that. And I, I mean, especially with those cans that are sort of like see-through. Mm. Have you seen? I have not seen those, actually. I love those. I mean, they're they're sort of popular in Asia, uh, of course. Um, but it's, <laughs> it, especially since we have the gold dust, you know. It right. Having it in sort of like a see-through can, so... That'll be cool. Yeah, we're working on that, and and uh, yeah, Mikler is a great brewery, and uh, we have it at. It's actually on draft on Copenhagen Airport. Oh wow! Exclusively um, in the world, and that's where we had 
a show as well as the first band ever to play at Copenhagen Airport. Y'all are just on some like extra baller shit over there. Then I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it, it's kind of crazy. It was it was sort of the grand opening of sort of like a new wing at the airport. Okay. And uh, and then like a Mickler bar open in in one of those corners there, and and uh, they wanted us to play there because they like us. So that's what we did, and that's where our new drink or our new cocktail was sort of celebrated, and that was like the grand premiere, I guess. Of it. So that was that was really cool. Oh, well, I guess uh, by those who haven't figured out yet uh, from that craft cocktail experience and a little bit of a background on it, I get the pleasure this early evening talking to Mr. Bjorn Strid of Night Flight Orchestra. And uh, I gotta say, I've been really enjoying the mindset that this uh, listening to the albums has kind of put me in. Uh, your most recent album, uh, Sometimes the World Ain't Enough, just came out uh, a little bit ago via Nuclear Blast Records. And they also are re-releasing uh, your two other albums, Internal Affairs from 2012 and 2015's uh, Skyline Whispers. So I kind of wanted to, and forgive the redundancy of this question that you've probably been asked a bunch, but I mean... To some people, this is a new band that came out of nowhere. Um, but for some of us who have been following the many adventures that you had take musically, um, this is something that obviously has been around for you know six, seven years. Probably there's a, a beginning story even before the first record. So, what was the beginning of Night Flight Orchestra? Um, I think it all sort of came together um, when me and David, the guitarist, who's both playing in the Night Flight Orchestra and Soil Work. Um, he was, he was actually the session, uh, touring guitarist for soul work in 2007. We did North American tour. I can't remember who we tour with, but might've been the throwdown tour. Oh shit. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that tour. But, um, that's where we met. He joined the band as a session guitarist and we did a, uh, I think it was like six weeks long and, um, I didn't know him since before. And we bonded instantly over classic rock. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, to a point where we just, like, you know, we had our sort of drinking hour before the show in the back lounge, having song battles with, you know, <laughs> classic rock, you know. And, and it was everything, you know, not only the music, everything from that time. It, it was, you know the way they were composing songs and producing songs and, and the fashion, you know, and whatnot. It was, it was everything basically. And, and we really bonded over that to a point where the rest of the guys in the, you know, we had such a great time. And, and uh, by the end of the tour, we just, you know, it was one of those drunken ideas that became a reality. You know, we said, we need to start a band sort of capturing sort of the late 70s and early 80s because we also felt that it's missing out there you know nobody doing that anymore like what's what's wrong with people <laughs> i was gonna say and because i mean obviously there's been a big like retro rock wave the latest 10 years and but most of the bands are more sort of you know black sabbath led zeppelin-esque right you know? and pretty often with like an occult theme you know it's um it's a little too, I don't know. I mean, our band is pretentious as well, but it's in a different <laughs> way. I don't know. Um, so you're not going to have any Night Flight Orchestra dildos for sale here pretty soon? No, I mean, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. We just felt that there was something missing out there. And... Um, because, I mean, David has has introduced me to so many bands. I knew a lot before I met him, but he was sort of like the... He, he opened the gates, basically. And uh, uh, and we bonded so much, and, and there was an instant sort of uh, musical communication that really created a flow that I didn't even know was possible, you know? And... Um, after that tour, we just, you know, tried to find people that sort of had the know-how and, and sort of understood the, the vibe and the concept that we were going for. And we found the perfect people, you know. I came 
we came home from that tour and I was like, Oh, I know this fantastic keyboard player, Richard Larson, you know, he, he would be the perfect like guy for this band. I was like, Oh, I know this drummer, my childhood friend, Jonas Shellspeck, you know, that I played with before. Like he, he's like, you know, he's a fantastic drummer. He's like a total drummer. You know, he has that, you know, sort of, grooved him and he, he he gets it you know so and then we added charlie d'angelo uh, who we already knew was very much into that kind of s stuff you know he's, he's playing in arch enemy and has been doing so for so for so many years right and and also with you know merciful fate back in the day so um and he has a great sense of humor and and so we were obviously looking for for you know personal chemistry as well which is which is very important it's not all about the music it just needed to work and then and then we all got together i think it was in 2009 2010 in the summer and uh i mean i i've done some clean vocals with soil work before but i and 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 somewhere in my mind i i knew that i could sort of pull off classic rock you know and and uh, whatever that means, classic. Work. What is classic? <laughs> it's such a, you know, there's there's so many bands that would be part of 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 that sort of label, I guess. Um, but we got together and and it was just magical. Uh, it was one of those moments that I will never forget. You know, it's the greatest kick of my musical career. You know, probably since we started, you know, putting the first Soul Work album together, for example. It was like. It was something that I really needed, and it's probably something that I longed for for such a long time. You know, it's kind of funny. You, you talk about the fact that you didn't need just good players, you know, that understood the concept. And to me, that was something that kind of when listening to the music, seeing the visual representation that you're, you're putting out for this band, is it definitely feels like it's it's a concept all the way through. And to me, how long did it take for that concept to kind of solidify? Um, I, I guess it was something that was growing, you know, sort of gradually. And, and, uh, I guess it's also because of, I, I think I needed to do like 20 years with soil work before I could even possibly approach something like this, you know, cause you, you, you know, the old cliche, you live and you learn and you learn by your mistakes and, 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 uh, not saying that you know we haven't done that many mistakes with with soul work at least not musically you know we've always done something really really good with the band and and but i you know being being in the business and 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 all that stuff which is so boring i hate that word but it's like <laughs> being on the road for so many years it's like you know what uh, i'm gonna learn from my mistakes and i'm gonna do something I wanted to create this band because it was something that I needed to do in order to actually enjoy soul work more because it sort of feeds off each other, you know, and to build up a concept, you know, I think that's more important than ever. And, and it's something that we really enjoy. We have gimmicks obviously, but it's, you can really tell that this comes from the right place. You know, there's so much passion and love behind this, behind this band but i want it to be a show yes you know and i i also guess i got a great kick out of starting this band because there's really no limits to what you can do musically and and, and of course you can develop metal you know in so many ways uh and i believe we've been a part of that you know developing the sound of metal you know and and um but still there was something that i wanted to do and uh, and it, it became the Night Flight Orchestra, and now I feel like so much more balanced musically. And um, sorry for sort of making the reference between both bands. It's funny you say that because uh, one of the comments I was going to make, and I didn't know where to stick this, so I just it was a random note. But it's you know, to me, knowing that you've created a few soil work records and some really ambitious ones mm. in the midst of these records, as well as I mean, I know Disharmonia Mundi has kind of been somewhat defunct-ish, hasn't really been much working on. But, I mean, technically that is something that you were doing as well at one point. So with that being said, it was like, okay, like you have something that's a little bit 
heavier and different than what you were doing in soil work, then you go to the other end of the spectrum with Night Flight Orchestra having been something like more on the rock kind of poppier side. So I was going to say with you being so well-rounded musically and having so many different creative outlets, is it nice to kind of hop from one to the other? You know, maybe if you're getting fatigued of being in something that's aggressive, like, well, now I'm going to go do something over here and kind of sing and have fun and explore these realms. And maybe even to the point of getting to where when you're doing something night flight orchestra related you might be like you know i had something i was working on over in soil work and i just i was pounding my head against the wall couldn't figure it out i think this idea will work for this song i've been we've been demoing for a little bit but it doesn't work for night flight orchestra let me go over here and kind of reapply this other thing like i feel like having those extra creative outlets might Mm. inspire you for your maybe main creative outlet per se Mm. i don't know if it has happened yet that I've been, you know, sitting, you know, writing songs is, oh, should this be soul work or should this be night fight orchestra? I don't think that have happened yet. It's very, it's very separate, even though it's this, the switch is so easy. Okay. Even bands are so far apart. It's uh, both bands must be that close to heart because I, I remember we just finished up the new album with night fight orchestra. I think in, in the beginning of the year and then we were going to enter the studio in April with, 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 with soil work. So the switch was just, that's when I started like, okay, night flight done. Okay. Let's restring the guitar. <laughs> tuning, you know, thicker strings and, uh, and all that stuff. And, and, the, and I, I got really shocked how easy the transition actually was. That's not a normal sentiment from a lot of people I, I, who surprised by myself and i think that's that's the beauty of of life to be able to surprise yourself you know sort of actions and 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 ambitions and and influences and everything you know it's like how how you can just switch you know uh and i'm not schizophrenic as far as i know but it's (laughs) almost like it's like okay you know and i'll take the metal suit off and i'll put put on the red beret and you know or <laughs> it's, it's kind of um i don't know it's it, it is strange but i mean it, it must be so close to heart because then i started doing the soul work songs and i realized that like those songs are s- some of the best songs i've ever written with soul work. that was right after i finished the vocals and the mix for the night flight orchestra so i think it does feed off each other even even though it's so different and it's 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 you know it's a little bit of a yin yang situation, I guess, to sound a little bit pretentious, but no, not at all. I think, uh, I think that's sense. yeah, no, definitely. You mm. know, the other thing that I, I kind of wondered too, you know, with the obvious uh, influences of kind of eighties, I, I get more of an eighties vibe of this than I do necessarily the seventies. But I also wasn't around in the seventies to really uh, have any recollections of those things to compare. But you know, something I did wonder. You know, with the the look of the band and so forth and how you present it, it did make me wonder, are you or anyone in the band a fan of, like, 80s wrestling? 80s wrestling? Uh, well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, in the 80s, we only had two channels in Sweden. And okay. then we got cable TV uh, in late 80s, sort of. But I don't think my parents got cable TV until, like, maybe 94. Okay. I do remember there was a wrestling show uh, on, I think it was Friday nights or so. I, I don't know. It was obviously sort of like it was not live TV. You know, right. But it, it was the American wrestling that was on, and I thought it was really cool. And, and me and my friends were actually doing sort of like a pre-party before we headed downtown and watched some wrestling. Uh, but I don't know if, I, if I've been inspired by you know, the looks of, of these sort of wrestling guys. I don't think so, but, um, you know, it, it, as far as it, it, it was a crucial part of the eighties, you know, and, and it's still such a big deal in America, you know, and, and, and it makes, it makes sense, but at the same time, it doesn't. <laughs> um, but, um, I don't know. I mean, our, our music would work at any wrestling event. Oh, you know, for it, sure. So it's, uh, but I don't know if it had that much of an impact. You know, I, I guess that's my sort of relation to to American wrestling. 
it just sometimes like the the way the presentation it, it just there's a little there's something about it that just kind of reminds me and maybe it's because of shows like uh glow on netflix and so forth where love just, show, but i absolutely love that show yeah it's a great show and so like some of the the aesthetics like when you're doing your 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 interviews and they got like this kind of 80s almost like a vaseline smear kind of on the screen so it has like this sheen on it it just kind of reminded me of like watching you know Maybe like a, and this is more of like a '70s wrestling uh, group, but like the Fabulous Thunderbirds, and they're just kind of like sitting around and bullshitting and shit like that. So it was to me, it just kind of had like a little bit of this like old wrestling thing, like getting into a character, sort of like cutting a promo, so to speak, um, yeah. and having fun with it, where you kind of blur the lines of like reality and you know this fictitious thing. So to me, that was like maybe an okay. inspiration. Um. That's that actually a good reference, you know, and then I guess I am sort of entering a, a, a role, you know, putting on the that beret or, you know, and, and the suit and it's fun, you know, but it's also something that I'm super serious about. It's like this perfect balance, you know, and um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess our music is ex- extremely dreamy and also sort of cinema- cinematic. Definitely. Well, kind of speaking to another 80s cliche, you know, something that I I think is really great about the 80s time period for me when looking back, you know, the theme songs and just a lot of things associated with, you know, movies, TV shows, like, you know, most people could probably still sing this theme song to like Full House or all these kind of things. And I mean, you could probably even go back further to other classic TV shows, you know, like All in the Family and so forth. But I kind of got this sense of, like, you know, like classic TV themes kind of being, you know, another maybe inspiration or or, I don't know if that makes any sense. I mean, TV themes have have had a great impact on me, I think. I mean, growing up, I I love getting to actually stay up late with my dad on Tuesday nights watching Hill Street Blues. Hmm. That was like a highlight of my week. <laughs> and for those of you who have heard the intro, it's uh, it's a very like simple, it's just a piano, but it, there's just something about that melody. And I think that definitely sparked something, you know, as, as, as far as having an impact on my sense for melody, I think. That's where I really started to get, to become interested in melodies. And then, you know, there was all these fancy shows coming out it was dallas and it was falcon crest and it was um dynasty oh man <laughs> i started loving those strings you know and uh and then there was another show which sort of went under the radar at least in sweden uh, greatest american hero oh shit yeah they're remaking it no way yeah well i heard they're remaking it i don't know if they are if it's going to be one of those that sort of gets greenlit and then just never comes comes back but i mean i've uh listening to a different podcast where they talk about you know uh pop culture movie news and all that stuff or tv news they said that uh great american hero was being remade so we'll see well i i don't know if i should say let's hope or not because i mean the original show was wasn't that great to be honest but the intro It was what was it? Basically, a teacher who suddenly could fly. Yes, and his dog, I believe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right there. But it, it was it was a great soundtrack, and I mean, I can highly recommend. I mean, it has a little bit of that sort of Seals and Crofts vibe over it. Um, sort of that. I don't know. Typical late seventies, early eighties American sort of West Coast feel to it. Yeah. Um, it, it's brilliant. It was made by a, a guy named uh, Joe Scarberry. Okay. And it's out there, the soundtrack for Greatest American Hero, and it, it's actually really good. And especially the the theme song, the intro, is, is fantastic. And then um, as I grew a little bit older, uh, became a teenager, I actually started like collecting or soundtracks, especially for like TV shows and collections, and uh, and I started really loving uh, like Kojak, Streets of San Francisco, uh, Beretta. 
Oh, Colombo, like all the, all these like intros. You know. In the heat of the night, I feel like that should be on there. Huh? In the heat of the night. I don't know that one. How oh. do I know? Don't know that one. Oh Came man. Me. Uh, I mean, you know, it's funny, like my parents, you know, raised me on a lot of those, those old TV shows. And especially once like TV land came around, you know, watching, you know, uh, Columbo watching, I mean, it's not as old of a show as that, but like the commission, like in the heat of the night and like all these shows that when I watch them now, it's like, I realize like they're not, it's kind of weird. Like, it's not that they're not good now, like through, you know, the prism of modern day technology and so forth, but it's almost like especially like at least like with me like you know you look at in the heat of the night you look at uh uh quincy md and so forth they basically were the prototypes for you know like our law and order svus and stuff like that like these shows that you know could in theory as long as people were watching could just last as long as they wanted to because when you're kind of in these police procedural type things like they can go anywhere because crime never stops no that's true <laughs> Another favorite one is midnight caller okay that was that was a great intro. Uh, I actually watched it a couple of days ago. Just just the intro is just oh, there's just something about it. I mean, that was also one of those shows that I started watching with my dad late nights, and and then and then I loved Alf. Oh shit! The, They're remaking that apparently. I know. I and I do not know how how I feel about that because it needs to be exactly the, the same. same. Yeah, the same puppet i was gonna say (laughs) and the exact same voice i mean i think the dude's still alive so i mean that can be done yeah yeah i guess i guess it's almost like harry and the hendersons like when they tried redoing that it just didn't work (laughs) i mean there's and then there's airwolf obviously uh knight rider uh, yeah the a-team a-team and I love Rockford Files as well. That was kind mm-hmm. of a, a under the radar show. I feel like, yeah. at least from what I, I, I it was explained to me. <laughs> it's not like I watched it in real time. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, yeah, I, I think they all had a big impact on me. And then watching, I mean, this is not a TV show; it's an actual movie. Uh, Risky Business, Tom Cruise. Oh yeah, great soundtrack. Track by Tangerine Dream. That mm-hmm. like, that did something to me and i think that that's something that you, you can find all these sort of in, in ingredients in, in, in the night flight orchestra as well it's there as well as you know even swedish 70s 80s music which is sort of hard to explain There's would the... abba kind of be in that or no yes i okay. mean absolutely 100 percent. okay there, there's a lot of ABBA influences, you know, especially sort of with the grooves and, and yeah. you know, the, the, the bass lines and all that stuff. Because, you know, I've always been a big fan of of when, I mean, when when disco got really big in the end of end of the seventies, or like, I would say like 77, 70, 76, 77 some of the rock got really infused by disco, especially with the bass and the drums. Oh, know? yeah. And I, I love that. A lot of people hate it. I even like, you know, when Kiss sounded disco. I, like I was just going to say Kiss when they did it. Yeah. It's good stuff. You know, a lot of people hate it, but I also like like everything Kiss. So, um, you know, uh, that period, you know, with Unmasked and Dynasty was fantastic i thought but you know a lot of people wouldn't agree with me but that's definitely had a big impact on on the night i feel like you know something that that's kind of interesting in listening to the night flight orchestra albums consecutively it reminds me of there's like one person in it and it's not necessarily in sound but i i can't quite i couldn't put my finger on why i kept coming up with this this band and this name um Maybe it's because they were so over every 80s soundtrack, but were never a big band unto themselves unless you actively sought them out. But John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, I think, were a very great prototypical kind of 80s pop rock band where they incorporated, you know, they had some kind of like, you know, rock and guitar stuff. They had, you know, keys and synths and so forth, really good, memorable, you know, vocals and stuff. But they were really only a soundtrack band. You know, they, they were 
for anybody who may not be aware of who they are, they were the band that made up Eddie and the Cruisers, if you ever saw that movie. Um, mm. They were the band that did Hearts on Fire from Rocky IV. Um, so, I mean, they are a band that, like, when I, especially when I mention Hearts on Fire to anyone, they're like, holy shit, I love that song. I didn't know who that was. It's like, yeah, this, this guy John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, like, they basically only existed on soundtracks, really. And it's very weird to think about that because to me, like, soundtracks are sort of a lost art form, I feel like, because they used to be a driving force in, in movies. Like, almost any of the iconic movies of the 80s, you, I mean, look at Top Gun, you know, Danger yeah. Zone. Like, you can name a song for mm. up until I'd say maybe, shit, I guess I could even go to the 2000s because that's when metal was, like, big on soundtracks. But I feel like that's something that's kind of lost, and I feel like that's kind of a, a niche area sort of that you guys could actually really come right in and, and take over. It's like this thing where it's like, oh, we kind of can fit a lot of different vibes with our music. So, mm. I mean, have you – is that something that maybe an avenue you guys have looked at doing is, is syncing your music to to – commercials or to movies or or whatever like is that an avenue you would really like to explore with this band i think so i mean it, it, i would love to sort of you know even though we, we were really focused on releasing actual albums you know but it, it would be really really cool if we got you know signed to to do the soundtrack for for a movie you know, that would be fantastic i think it would turn out really really good and um, as as you mentioned, I mean, there were so many artists as well. You know, it was like Robert Tepper and and Tommy Farger and 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 even you know uh, uh, Sly as Sylvester Stallone, his brother. Oh, know. Frank Stallone, yeah. Frank Stallone, yeah. He did stuff for the movie that came out after Saturday Night Fever, which was actually calling Staying Alive. Yeah, it's like dance movies yeah like actually it's gonna sound really weird but i would love to do a soundtrack to to a dance movie you know that that, that would be uh, about that that would have worked out really well i think well here's a, a weird what if scenario i mean you mentioned kiss and sort of the era that you were talking about a kiss that's I think within a few years of when Kiss meets the Phantom of the Opera, um, which isn't like a cinematic masterpiece or anything like that, but no, not. <laughs> um, is is that something maybe that would appeal to, you know, Night Flight Orchestra being like, you know, maybe you do like a, a Michael Jackson's Moonwalker where you as the band are the focal point or the stars of a movie that showcases your music, but also in sort of a rock opera or whatever you want to call it kind of way. I feel like that's something that is maybe on the, on the horizon for the band. I mean, it would have been awesome. I mean, but then again, how, how much money would that cost? Uh, <laughs> who knows? If we're going to do it sort of, it all depends if we're going to be really serious about it or not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know your plant you're planting way too many seeds in my, in, in my brain right now. Like just, yeah, that, that could have been cool. Who knows what's going to happen, but yeah, we, we really should do that. I mean, really. in this day and age where they say you can record, uh, wasn't there a movie that was actually shot on like an iPhone? There's like several iPhones. Sure there is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you never know. Technology is a lot more easier to get. But I understand it's a, it's also a financial and a time-consuming undertaking to do those things. Yeah. Um, kind of wanted to shift a little bit more to like a live setting. I know you've done some some shows, and I know you have a European getting ready to start uh, November 11th. To me, I I feel like the stage production for this is just I I feel like I can go all over the place with what I think there could be. So how fun is it in preparing for a production side of things? for night flight orchestra in a live setting yeah i mean it's also a question of budget but we do everything we can to bring a real rock show the way it was meant to be you know we have backup singers you know we have the airline annas um the stewardess is doing the backups um girls are performing on the actual album the latest one so we're doing everything we can you know with lights and everything to create like you know, an evening with the Night Flight Orchestra rather than like a tour package coming through town, which I'm so used to in the metal world. You know, not saying that metal bands can't put on a great show. They 
absolutely can, you know, but it's something that it's, it's just a different world. I feel with this band as well. And like we talked about boundaries and like limits and before. So I think we're going to try to do everything we can to, to make it, you know, like as soon as that, you know, the crowd enters the door, you know, uh, to the venue, it, it should be an evening with, and not just, not just a, another show. So right. we're doing everything we can, you know. And uh, I know it's going to be so much fun. I'm, I'm I'm very excited. So is the whole band. So um, it's it's looking really good. And I mean, we we've done some really crazy warm up shows. We did the Copenhagen Airport show, and then we also had the release party at the actual ABBA Museum. Which oh was shit! Fantastic. Yeah, I was really. watching the one at was it Rock Hall? I think is what I. It was some. It's it's on YouTube. It's like the full set you guys did somewhere very recently or in the uh, last year. Uh, that was last year. Yeah, that was our first show outside of Sweden. Oh wow! Looked like it was pretty well received. Yeah, yeah. It, it it was really nuts. I mean, we were playing domino, and I saw people wearing you know black metal patches dancing to domino. It, it was, <laughs> it's great. I think. Fun. Uh, kind of been we'll wrap up a little bit. Like I said, so I can let you get back to your evening. You know, obviously, a lot of Soilware fans are probably gonna come over and check this out. What is, what is the one thing you hope that Soilwork fans take away from Night Flight Orchestra? Well, I think that I, it is really the sense, um, the melodies, really. You know, you can you can probably connect it to bands melody wise, even though it's sort of Soilwork tends to be a bit more melancholic. You know. Um, when it comes to melodies, but we also sort of have that in, in, in the Night Flight Orchestra, but it's more like abba is mm-hmm. in a way. That's, that, that's one thing that, you know, people know when you, when you hear somebody mention ABBA, oh, it's like Dancing Queen, and then there's this song, Know Me, Knowing You, whatever it is. You know? <laughs> but there's so much more, like great albums, and there's songs that are so melancholic too. And I think that also had an impact both on Swallow and and the night, night flight orchestra. So I think that ABBA actually connects <laughs> in a weird way, you know. And I think Solar has gradually become more and more sort of dark, extreme, non-colic ever since we started Night Flight Orchestra. But that doesn't mean that, you know, me- melodies, they cross over, you know. It's like, you know, both me and David Wright well, on the new album, we wrote everything on the latest Soulwork album, and then we write most stuff um, on the Night Flight Orchestra as well, with, with some you know exceptions. Um, you know, Sebastian has has written a lot, and also Richard, and uh, so it's. But it's it. There, there's going to be some kind of crossover somewhere, you know. Right. And I think you can you can hear. I I think somebody made a comment. I saw that, you know, obviously on, on Live Our Mouth um, for for the latest single. The first single from the upcoming album, The Soilwork. It's like, oh, Jordan is doing too much Night Flight stuff on this new Soilwork track. And it's like full-on black metal almost. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. How people, maybe it's because they know that I'm doing Night Flight Orchestra, or maybe there's actually some something in there, you know. But that doesn't matter because it's two different expressions. You know? Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I tend to find sometimes that fans are a little harder to separate, not as able to compartmentalize someone, you know, like this is the, like, I know him from soil work and I know this isn't soil work, but I put the soil work lens as I'm watching this and it's like, well, I feel like that's disingenuous because you're not going to get the full experience that was intended to be had because you're looking at it through a completely different prism. Um so I was, I don't know, it was something I was thinking of earlier. I was like, oh, I wonder how solo work fans are going to take this. True, true. And I think, I mean, the, the key word, I think for both bands, I mean, I, I think, you know, regardless if, if you're like a metal fan or not, I think you, you would be able to see through it if there wasn't any presence in the music. And I think that's the key word, presence. You know, if you listen to solo work, you know, it, 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 every little note is made for the right reasons and this it's the same case with the night flight orchestra and it's about the presence and you you know that's what you should be looking for in music you know it's so multi-layered and and 
and it's all about the presence in the end because we have way too much music out there that has no presence so that's what you should be looking for and not just oh that sounds like Miami Vice and slag it off (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying that everybody you know I think they should appreciate Ninth Flight Orchestra, you know, whether they're a pop fan or a metal fan or whatever, just a music fan. But, in, in, you know, but it's it, that's really, you know, the key to music, you know, it, it, it's the presence in it. You know? And I think both bands represent me in a very good way. It's like 50-50, you know, it's like all of me in two bands. It really is. So I think if you give it uh, give it a try, I think you will be able to find that presence because that's what, what it's all about. Have you have you given? Because I know on on all the band socials for Night Flight, it it obviously says your name as the vocalist, but I've wondered: Have you come up with a name for your character? No, I wish actually. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things like because I, I, you know, we we didn't really know knew what we had with with this band from the beginning. I mean, we, we were great musicians. We had great songs, and then it, it really really took off, and it it was so much fun, right? And uh, when I'm sitting here, you know, four albums later, you know, I'm sort of wishing maybe I should have had a different name. But, <laughs> like it's it's just me you know it's uh i i I would gladly put my name my full name on both solo work and nightlight orchestra albums you know it's because it's me you know i have really nothing to hide really and uh kind of speaking to that presence you were talking about where can uh, people find yourself and or nightlight orchestra or whatever else you would like to to push um well we have for the night flight orchestra that would be our facebook page it's quite active and also our instagram and uh or official facebook as well and also instagram so i guess that will, that's where we'll get the latest news and then lastly i always like to end these episodes out with a song so what would you like me to play it out to Ooh, that's a tough one um I assume from the latest album. Um, it could be anything, actually. So if you would like me to play Hill Street Blues theme, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, but I mean, uh, I guess it would be, uh, it would make sense we did play something from the latest Night Flight Orchestra album. So let's do the title track. Okay. Time for World Do you have any quick uh maybe fun story about recording that song or writing writing it um uh, i mean we didn't have the airline annas doing backups on 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 the previous album amber galactic they came in basically they started touring with us for amber galactic but they never been in the studio with us and when we recorded this song it gave that extra sort of melancholic abba flair to it in the, in the chorus you can definitely hear that when you listen to the song well awesome well thank you very much again Bjorn for taking the time and uh, again uh, Night Flight Orchestra on a European run starting November 11th and ends December 22nd hopefully some promoters will uh, maybe make some offers to get you guys to come out this way and maybe a Midwest show will happen so I can try to come out and see it absolutely so that was my conversation with Mr. Bjorn Speed Strid of the Night Flight Orchestra and Soil Work Dan, again, sadly, you couldn't be there because you were doing the family thing with a whole bunch of sick sick family members. It has not been fun. No, no, it hasn't. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I felt like I was bragging. Like, you texted me about how, like, oh, I had to change my shirt six times. I was like, is it hot there or something? And you're like, no, I've been thrown up on, like, six times. And I was like, I just talked to Bjorn. <laughs> and then I'm like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not great. Um, not great. Uh, but that's okay. Your conversation was great, and that is the important part. Thank you. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> weren't expecting me to say thank you. 
No, no one ever says thank you. It's a thank. It's a thankless job. Uh-huh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Manners. They're amusing. What was interesting is just how you guys were able to kind of weave in and out of the night flight orchestra stuff and actually tie it into what you guys really wanted to talk about, which was clearly the uh, 80s sitcoms. <laughs> and, uh, well, not really sitcoms. You guys talk mostly about like crime shows and stuff. Um, yeah, it was just, really weird. <laughs> and just as a, just as a side note, I loved in the heat of the night. Oh, such a great show. Like even still, like, cause I, I travel sometimes and whenever I'm in a hotel room or something and I, uh, you know, I'm just flipping through TV channels. If in the heat of the night's on repeats, I'm, I'm totally good. I'm like, well, this is what I'm doing tonight. Yeah. It basically was the, the, the precursor to what, how law and order SVU is. Cause I remember like in the heat of the night used to be on like seven different channels at any given time and yeah. like all day, like it'd be on all day and it's like, all right. So I don't know. It's a great show. It has a great theme. I almost was going to fuck with him and not play the song he told me to and just play in the heat of the night theme. <laughs> you should have. That would have been really funny. Yeah, no. It, it, that's the thing that I, I really enjoy sometimes about doing these, though. And it's just the spontaneous nature. And it's something like – it's always funny because like, when I sent this to Dan, Dan goes – and I'm going to say this, and, and I know it's going to sound bad, and I, I don't mean it to sound that way. But – Something I've been trying to do more is not prepare as much. Not because I, I want to go in and, and don't do any due diligence. Uh, I think Dan can attest. I, I probably spend a lot more time preparing for something, bouncing questions off of him, so on and so forth, than probably a lot of other people may. But something that I've learned to start doing is just try to be more present and just have a conversation. And as you heard, this episode actually starts... Not from me actually starting the episode. It was I, I kept in the part where we just started talking about the drink I was having. Because to me, right. I realized, it's, like I told him, I go, as soon as that happened, and that was within the first 30, 40, probably minute, minute and a half of me talking to him, because we were able to see each other, um, for those listening. But it was one of those things where as soon as that happened, I basically was like, I'm good. I already can tell this is going to be real easy. I'm just going to kind of like see what happens. And that's kind of how I went into it. Like I had questions written down, but I pretty much didn't want to look at them. I didn't want to do an interview interview. I just wanted to see where it went. And I couldn't have been happier with how it turned out. And, you know, Bjorn was so easy to talk to. And that was, you know, something that I feel like we've been really looking out with lately is like everyone we've been getting has been like wanting to talk, has good stories, has good you know, it's just, it's so easy and it's so easy to do and ha talk to these people when that happens. And I hope for the sake of the people who listen to these, I know they're not listening to listen to me talk, but I hope as a result, they're like, man, that was really cool. I felt like I was just, you know, listening to two people in a room, just sharing drinks, which indirectly we kind of were. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a good chat for sure. It was one of the easier ones to listen to just because it just flowed really well. And didn't sound like you were reading a list of questions off of a piece of paper, which I know you were. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I thought that was uh, I, I thought that was a great chat, and like I said, I'd be really excited if we do it again to to be in on that. Yeah, um, I'll kind of throw this the the positive vibes out there or whatever. Um, for all intents and purposes, it seemed like uh, Bjorn had a good time doing the conversation. Uh, it actually said that. Uh, I have been, you know, getting some emails about the new soil work record, and uh, if he wouldn't mind coming back on when that's more closer to coming out and doing another chat to talk about the soil work album. Um, and actually, I feel like it was kind of cool the way we talked about soil work, the new soil work record in conjunction to the Night Flight Orchestra, because now I feel like it, it will give me a little bit of a different perspective when I go and listen to this new record whenever we get to listen to it and get to talk to Bjorn, because... Now we've heard about this other thing that he was doing where when he was like, okay, that's done. Now I'm ready to write a soil work record. So I feel like that was a really cool thing that maybe fans who don't know much about Night Flight Orchestra, maybe if they're listening to this, they'll be pleasantly surprised to find out how involved doing this affected the soil work project. Yeah, I agree. And I also think that, uh, 
what it provided for me was a little bit of context for Night Flight, you know, like where it was coming from and, you know, uh, what they were aiming for. Because now whenever I go in and listen, I can look for those elements. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm 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 very much looking forward to uh both these represses actually for uh Internal Affairs and uh Skyline Whispers. Um the the vinyl looks really cool for these. The way they're able to match up the artwork, uh the album cover artwork to the vinyl color. Um they reworked the the album artwork obviously for those records, but I mean Nuclear Blast is doing a great job with uh this packaging with what they're doing with it. And oh, yeah. I'm really excited to hopefully see some YouTube footage from uh, these the tour they're getting ready to embark on. Um, I mean, by all accounts, it looks like – I would say this, and I haven't seen much live footage of them like on an actual solo run. But <clears throat> I feel like if you don't have fun at a Night Flight Orchestra show, it's probably because you're an asshole and, and you went into it <laughs> with the wrong expectations. Because I feel like yeah. it would be very hard to listen to this music in a live setting – with speed, with Bjorn wearing the the beret and and not have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, listening to it on your computer, you might be like, eh, I don't know if I'm into this, but like when you're there and the atmosphere kicks in and it's just basically a big party. Yeah. Like that's, that's so much fun. Oh yeah, definitely. And speaking of partying, we're going to keep this party kind of brief uh, since the conversation ran a little long. Uh, We're going to go... And if you would like to keep up with the party and follow the Night Flight Orchestra, you can find them on basically Facebook and Instagram at the Night Flight Orchestra. Uh, simple enough. And interestingly enough, they don't have a Twitter account, but oddly enough, uh, Bjorn doesn't have other social media, but he has Twitter. Uh, so yeah. I guess if you would like to follow uh, Bjorn on Twitter, it is at Speedstrid, S-P-E-E-D-S-T-R-I-D, for those that don't know that. Um, and speaking of following people, Dan, where can people follow you at? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. You can follow me on Facebook at, under Daniel Terry or the Discography Discussion page on Facebook. And you can find out more about that podcast at DiscussMetal.com. And if you would like to keep up with all things the podcast, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at John's Entitled Podcast. Tweet at us at John's Entitled Pod and email us at John's Entitled Pod at gmail.com. And if you would like to follow our Patreon, uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash Podcast. Keep up with our partners at Moshpit Nation at moshpitnation.com. Facebook is Moshpit Nation West Capital MI. Twitter and Instagram are simply Moshpit Nation. And if you would like to follow our show sponsors at The Bean Bastard, you can find them at thebeanbastard.com. Facebook and Instagram are simply The Bean Bastard. And as you heard Bjorn say, he wanted us to play it out to the title track from their latest record, Sometimes the World Ain't Enough. So we are going to leave you with that, and we will talk to you next time.
Maeri, da 